Welcome to the Changing Conversations podcast by SGS. This is the second episode in our series looking into technology used in the medical industry. My name is Daniel Tatarski. Episode two begins with our experts digging into the key regulatory topics and the essential considerations manufacturers must keep in mind with regard to security and safety. We'll move on to talking about at what point in the development of a product manufacturers should think about integrating cybersecurity activities and beyond that, how these should continue through the life of the device. The episode will close with an exploration of the most important aspect of any cybersecurity testing regime threat modeling and risk assessment. It's going to be a fascinating discussion, and I'm thrilled to be talking to my four SGS experts Vasily Kalatsky, Business Development Manager, Medical Product Certification, Stefan Fenn, Safety Expert, Active Medical Devices, SGS Germany. Willy Fabricius, Global Head of Strategy and Business Development, SGS, and Thomas Schuster, Security Evaluator, SGS Brightside. Okay, um, we're going to start off with a um, with a question for Thomas. Um, last time we said that cybersecurity is applicable for medical devices because regulations require it. What are the main topics covered by the regulations that I should consider, um, and is there any common point in that? Okay. Um, if we only consider those cybersecurity regulations that, that are specific for medical devices, like the MDCG, um, the following points are always required. There should be some pre-market management covering security risk management processes and secure, the secure product lifecycle. And also, post, also the post-market management covering uh, coordinated vulnerability disclosure, vulnerability remediation, and incidents response and uh, the legacy. Pre-market management covers the design, development, and the maintenance of a medical device following up-to-date and state-of-the-art security by design principles. Um, this is only possible by defining and following a secure, uh, security risk management, which goes through the threat modeling and risk assessment to the secure implementation and testing of the security features required. In the post-market management, uh, we have to consider all of the processes that should be in place after a product was released to the market. Uh, here, the idea is that no device is completely secure. There are constantly new vulnerabilities and new ways how to exploit uh, certain vulnerabilities found. So the manufacturer shall be prepared for a case that maybe in one of their products, some vulnerability is, is identified and that they can promptly react to a possible attack or a possible vulnerability. Um, and additionally to that, a manufacturer should also plan on how to deal with a product at the end of its life cycle. So end of life of a product, um, which is especially important for medical devices with a long lifespan uh, and some critical essential performance. Mm -hmm. The uh, International Medical Device Regulators Forum, IMTRF, guidance, principles and practices for medical device cybersecurity, which I also mentioned in the last podcast, is a good summary and it contains all of the common points requested by several of the regulatory guidance. Right. Okay. Um, and another question for you, Thomas, just considering the total product lifecycle or the, the TPLC, at which point or points is it recommended to do cybersecurity activities? 
basically in all of them. You start with the planning. So um, most of the time it's way more cost effective to start implementing cybersecurity in the planning process because it will reduce the costs of fixing vulnerabilities later. Yeah. Um, so in, uh, in this phase, all of the processes, plans, and activities have to be defined. Some examples are the definition of a security risk management plan, security policy, and standards to follow for this product. And also, for example, a vulnerability handling plan. Right. And in the end of the phase, uh, all of these requirements are then used, and we can go to the so-called design phase. Uh, in the design phase, we then use state-of-the-art secure by design principles. Um, the personnel shall perform threat modeling, risk assessment based on the provided uh, safety and security policies and requirements. They be co covered this in the last podcast, the so-called data. This data then is used to design the countermeasures, mitigating um, and uh, mitigating the identified threats. Um, during the implementation phase and testing phase, the developer and tester shall follow not only the defined security requirements and plans, but also other state-of-the-art technologies and standards uh, to assure that the final product needs the original designed idea. A good supporting material for this is the AS, uh, HSCC Joint Security Plan, which I also mentioned last time, which covers the total product lifecycle of a medical device and also offers plans, templates, and even an assessment process to evaluate the maturity level against this uh, Joint Security Plan. Right, okay. I'm, I'm going to work you hard at the start of this, this episode, Thomas, and ask you another question. Um, if most of my products are already launched on the market and I'm scared that I can't meet the security requirements, how should I handle those products? There, then the post-market guidance can help. Um, where the main aspects you should consider are some coordinated vulnerability disclosure, um, a formalized process for obtaining and assessing vulnerabilities, developing mitigations, and also really important disclosing this information to various stakeholders. Then the vulnerability uh, remediation, uh, structured and systematic risk management uh, to identify, characterize, assess, and mitigate the vulnerabilities. Um, you should also think about the sources where you identify the vulnerabilities, about the timeline to develop and release patches, and about the update process, and so on and so forth. So everything about uh, vulnerability remediation. Then also incident response. So there should be a team established policies in place in case of an attack. This team should be uh, performing trainings and uh, testing of the plans. Uh, it maintains the point of contact, establishes service level agreements and so on. And also an important uh, part is the legacy. So prepare the product for a full transfer of responsibilities from the manufacturer to the customer when the product reaches the end of its life. Right. Okay. And, and, and we, I know I sound like a broken record, but <laughs> all of this... I've got lots of broken records, William. And I love them all. <laughs> uh, I mean, all of these would have been covered by a solid, well-established management system, which provides the foundation for a governance system. Uh, I also would like to encourage our listeners to download our recently published white paper, which is titled Information Security for the Medical Device Industry create a solid foundation for cybersecurity and data privacy. 
which is available, of course, at sgs.com. Okay, well, I, ho I hope people will go there and look at that. W one little thing I'd like to chuck in at this point, um, obviously talking about cybersecurity, the thing that everyone always says is that the, the greatest vulnerability is actually the user of the, um, of the product, the human element. Um, is there anything anyone would like to say ab about that and, and what maybe manufacturers can think about to, to reduce those vulnerabilities? Yes, indeed. The, the users uh, are the, the biggest threat, the biggest risk. And I can see a lot of examples uh, in the medical device industry with regard to software development, with regard to um, the S-bomb. Um, you know, software developers are downloading, of course, snippets from the internet to create their super duper applications. Um, and it's not unheard of that they are going to very, let's say, questionable sources. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you, you have imported all kinds of nasty things into your software. And the real question is, how, in, how is an organization managing this? What kind of training do they provide to their employees? I mean, in, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm an open source guy. But at the same time, th there is risks that need to be evaluated and the organization needs to have a solid risk management program to ensure that uh, their people are doing the right thing. Um, another example could be, we all have heard about um, component shortages. Um, the next thing you know, uh, the buyer uh, is frantically looking for a replacement component and um, he, he goes to his usual sources and they say, well, Good news, bad news. I don't have what you're looking for, but I have a similar component. You know, instead instead of the dash B part, I have the dash C part. Cost exactly the same, pin compatible, exactly the same. The buyer should not say excellent. The buyer should say, if there is a dash B part and a dash C part, what is the difference? Ah, yeah. it's the same. No, it's not the same. <laughs> I just has a couple of new things built in. Oh. If my software is not accounting for those changes on the hardware level, the next thing I know, I have not initialized registers, not initialized features, and the next thing I know, my device is open for all kinds of vulnerabilities. And this is coming down to training of employees. They need to know what they are doing and what the implications could be of their actions. Governance system, training of people. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's all important stuff. Thank you for that, Willie. Um, coming back to you, Thomas, what are the manufacturers' responsibilities? And we've just been talking about some of the manufacturers' responsibilities, but what are their responsibilities in order to keep the cybersecurity type testing certification valid and up to date? Really important there are periodically testing and independent testing. So the testing of the medical device should be performed uh, during the whole product life cycle. So also after product was released because uh, cyber, cyber threats that are not applicable at the moment might be in the future, maybe a new attack method was defined or found. And therefore, predictive testing is really important uh, also after a product was released. And also independent testing, everyone in the cybersecurity uh, world has different things he looks at, different ways of testing. So independent, uh, Testing by a different lab or different in-house testing groups can also help finding uh, new possible problems that has to be fixed and gives a higher level of assurance of the testing. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Another keyword is information sharing. The MedTech manufacturers is registered both to monitor different sources like the MedISAO to identify potential vulnerabilities applicable also for uh, its product uh, and to promptly communicate any uh, finding with the healthcare network which covers uh, HBOs, users, national agencies and other organizations. A good insight on this topic is the IMDRF, the principles and practices for medical device cybersecurity. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, moving on to you now, Vasily. Um, how do you differentiate between new prototype, uh, between a new prototype device before market entrance and medical devices post market when it comes to cybersecurity requirements or compliance? Initial evaluation of the technical documentation for a new product is, of course, a complex process which includes many aspects, where cybersecurity plays, of course, an important role. Nevertheless. It is an evaluation of a product that not um, no one yet used. In other words, the manufacturer may not have enough information before the product launch and after the product is placed on the market. A manufacturer starts receiving the feedback about its performance and cybersecurity um, related weaknesses, which might not be well addressed in the initial evaluation, come to front during the surveillance assessments and, and must be properly assessed. Right. And do you look into post-market activities like vulnerability management? Post-market surveillance activities of the manufacturer is the main focus of our um, surveillance assessment of the medical product. And if the product fails in the field due to the vulnerability problems, it will be surely pointed out by our assessor. And in this case, the post-market clinical follow-up may be needed from the manufacturer side to justify the level of protection of the medical product from cybersecurity hazards. Right, okay. I, I wanna come back to you now, Thomas. Um, how do I start? Do you offer any kind of guidance for manufacturers if I'm right at the beginning of the process? So we, on one hand, offer training courses specific to medical device manufacturers where we show the normative international landscape, uh, where we also indicate best practices on how to integrate cybersecurity in the whole product lifecycle. We also offer support for the data, sort of for the threat modeling and risk assessment in forms of review, or we can also help uh, preparing a first draft of the data. Here we have to mention the data is a living document, so it will also change over time uh, of uh, the life cycle of a product. Moreover, we can also support the customer in uh, secure architecture design, how to add security to the product. We can also test certain components uh, earlier before the final prototype is even available to see as soon as possible, identify possible weaknesses in a design or implementation to save money and time. Also currently we are developing a service for periodic surveillance of vulnerabilities that could be linked to the SBOM. All of the the services uh, are in addition to the main package that we usually deliver to our customer, which is a full cybersecurity testing campaign. Right. And I would like to add that we are also offering public training courses to gain a better, deeper understanding of ISO 27001 and ISO 42001 and, of course, uh, other ISO standards. But in the interest of full disclosure, uh, training concerning EuroPrivacy can be found on their website, uh, europrivacy.com. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, no, I hope people will have a look at that. Um, 
staying with you, Thomas, again, or going back to you, what's the most important thing for you for cyber security for a cyber security testing campaign? Uh, nothing works without our data. So we need a good <laughs> fraud meddling and risk assessment. There, the state that uh, the environment where the medical device will operate in, as well as a description of all of the information needed when we are going. The most important thing is the data, the fraud meddling uh, and risk assessment. There is stated the environment where the medical device will operate in, as well as the description of all of the information needed when we actually perform the penetration testing campaign. Since the medical devices have strict safety requirements, some cybersecurity threats cannot, cannot be mitigated due to um, safety concerns. So this has to be covered in the user guidance. So it's really important to us to understand the scope of the testing campaign and the environment of the product. And that, sh that should be covered by the data. All right. And what's the most complicated part? Um, the testing itself. So mm -hmm. in penetration testing, we do so-called negative tests. So we try to test things that, that should not happen with the device. Right. Um, one example we gave also in the last podcast is fuzzing. So mm -hmm. in fuzzing, we put in uh, random data, unexpected input to interfaces and see if any crashes happen, any memory corruptions and any assertions uh, maybe occur. And the com complex part of this is then to find out if these crashes are actually vulnerabilities an attacker could maybe use for successful attacks and stealing assets of your product. Uh, and this needs a lot of expertise and uh, knowledge about the cybersecurity world. And I would say that's the most complicated part. Right. And um, uh, Stefan, do you have the same issue during IEC 60601-1 evaluations and, and how do you solve it? That's actually a really interesting question because as a, as a Thai C company, uh, the question of how we judge things is a very crucial one in our daily business. So during IEC 60601 evaluation, besides basic safety requirements, we strongly focus on essential performance features. In many cases, specific limits are defined by particular standards and have to be maintained under yeah, in our language is called normal single fault conditions. For example, if you have a ventilator and you put a certain uh, pressure, then you need to be sure that it's, it's among certain limits and you do not harm the patient. This is really crucial. We have a clear cut here. This means if during the testing, essential performance limits are violated, for us it is considered as not compliant the very moment it exceeds the limits. To put an example from our daily business, when you do an EMC testing, for example, EMC immunity test for a patient monitoring equipment and the simulated vital parameters are affected, then we need to judge it as, as non-compliance because this means that the current situation of vital parameters of the patient is not given anymore and this is something which is not acceptable. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that, Stefan. Um, so before we close the podcast today, I'd like to hear from each of you if you can have a little look in your crystal balls and, and tell me what you think of the, the next developments in in cybersecurity for for medtech. Uh, let's start with you, Willie. Regulations, regulations, <laughs> and more regulations. <laughs> and uh, while while that might sound uh, frustrating, uh, while this might sound bad. I think we we sort of kind of understand that regulations at the end of the day 
protect you and me, protect the patients, protect yeah. the people. And um, for, for manufacturers, obviously, this is getting more and more complicated uh, because what we see in cybersecurity is actually a divergence of requirements from different countries to countries. So there is something like deglobalization. And unfortunately, that means that each and every country or at least every block tries to come up with something new. In reality, it's not something new. In reality, it's the same old thing, just packaged slightly different. Mm -hmm. But from an organizational perspective, there is then a requirement for this country and that country and, and that area. And the real question is, how are we able to manage this? Because that is not easy. That, that is actually extremely challenging and difficult. And yes, a governance system will help an organization to ensure that they are on top of that. Um, let's say I'm asking an, a client, um, what can you tell me about the new UK regulations with medical devices? Sorry, I don't want to see that famous D and the headlight look. I want to <laughs> see the answer saying, funny that you ask. We just heard two weeks ago, blah, blah, blah. We did a risk assessment. And that tells me that they have a solid governance system in yeah. place and know what is coming their way. Yeah, um, that, deer in, that deer in the headlight look, that's that's the only look I have, I'm afraid. <laughs> and, and the <laughs> other thing I, I, I really would like to emphasize is AI. Uh, this is not just the buzzword of the year. Uh, no, AI is now at that level where it's significantly uh, changing our lives, how in, in ways we have not managed yet. Uh, and that has, again, significant implications in terms of uh, the organization's responsibility to ensure that they are fulfilling regulations and good practice. Uh, so again, organizations should really, really investigate um, what the implications could be to their products and their business processes. And yes, that also means training their employees to make sure that they are up to the latest uh, developments in this domain. Okay, that's great. Thanks, thanks for that, Willie. Um, talk, talking of AI, there was a thing in the news this week about um, AI accurately spotting cancer um, that, that humans were missing. So, so I think you, your crystal ball is probably spot on there, or maybe, maybe you just read the papers this week. Um, let, let's, move, let's move on to you, Thomas. Any major developments that, that you think are coming, coming down the track? Um, major developments? Um, first of all, I can only try and individually screw down some more regulations would be good, but also a change of mindset from the manufacturers that IT security and cybersecurity is not something they have to do, but they actually want to do because it protects their own company. So yeah. losing customer data is never a good thing. It's never good press, but still many manufacturers see cybersecurity as something they sadly have to do because it's mandatory, yeah. but they don't really want to do it, which mm -hmm. can also be seen when we then test these products. Yeah. They just put a patch on, but they didn't really check if there's not maybe some kind of inflammation below this patch. Right. And that's something where I hope in the future there will be uh, also from the manufacturer side more drive. More, more impetus. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that's great. Thanks for that, Thomas. Um, coming to you, Stefan, now, you, you've had a bit more time to look into your crystal ball. Um, 
<laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> that doesn't mean it became more clear by the time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but the more you look what, in your crystal, what, the darker it is. <laughs> the darker it is, yes, exactly. What I see is that it's a topic which is coming because every one of us at least have faced, for example, emails which uh, send you some documents and want your data or your money or whatever. But it's difficult because compared with uh, um, risk analysis at this moment, you, you, when you have a medical device, it's maybe you made a design issue and you have a problem you didn't see. But cybersecurity always assumes that there is someone with a bad intention that makes it very difficult, especially from the regulatory point of view, to be ahead. So it's like with sports and doping. First there are mm -hmm. the dopers, and then there are the people who detect them. Uh, yeah. So it's difficult to keep behind. But I think I'm pretty sure there are things coming, and it will be challenging for everyone because you will have to find expertise in this topic. And also, not just from the manufacturer side, they have to introduce new processes. They have to uh, maybe do construction changes on their device. Also, like for us, a testing laboratory, how do you how do you test this? How do you, uh, yeah, or for example, evaluate the safety and security impact and vice versa? Um, right. This would be the challenge. But I'm optimistic looking into my crystal ball. <laughs> 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 That's good. It's nice to have a bit of optimism. Um, and yeah. finally, moving over to you, Vasily. Optimistic, pessimistic? How are you feeling? Well, we've seen over years a different requirements imposed on the manufacturers by the uh, authorities and regulatory bodies. And uh, I remember how the risk management was introduced, really, and then the usability of medical devices came uh on the stage and then the the evaluation of software now we deal with cybersecurity. i think it's a very important source of hazards that we all have to consider however we just need the established methods for assessment uh, of cybersecurity mm -hmm. issues and also we uh we need brave manufacturers that really face the problem and offer the solutions to the public health Okay, thanks for that, Vasily. Um, well, time has caught up with us, as it always does, and so we'll have to bring the episode to a close. I know I've learned a lot, and I hope you have too. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll have another mini-series soon, so please subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. That's for the future, but for today, thanks to my four SGS experts. Vasily Kalatsky, Business Development Manager, Medical Product Certification. Stefan Fenn, Safety Expert, Active Medical Devices, SGS Germany. Willie Fabricius, Global Head of Strategy and Business Development, and Thomas Schuster, Security Evaluator, SGS Brightside.